sounds of Herb Alpert and the Team of the Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. Even the most casual of Fangraphs readers will have almost definitely heard that Fangraphs, in partnership with Mr. Nib Shaw, is now offering a fantasy game called Auto New. My guests on the show today uh, are intimate with the Auto New game. One of them is Mr. Nib Shaw himself, and the other, Chad Young, is winner of three out of the last four seasons of the inaugural Auto New League. And what follows, I ask Niv and Chad about the origins of the game, its early history and rule changes, and, perhaps most to the point, how one can win it. It's Niv Shaw and Chad Young, masters of Otter New Fantasy Baseball, on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Yes, it is Fangraphs Audio, and as I've almost uh, definitely told you, my name is Carson Sestouli. Uh, that may not be shocking. Uh, hopefully... Also not coming as a shock to you is that I have two guests today. Uh, they are both gentlemen who are, um, I suppose, intimately uh, familiar with the, the inner workings um, and outer workings, if, if that is a thing, of Auto New uh, Fantasy Baseball. Um, and if that's the official name of it, we will soon find out. Uh, one person whose name uh, with which you might already be familiar is Niv Shah. Uh, he's the man who's brought Auto New to Fangraphs. Niv, you're joining us from uh, the, I don't know, great state of California, but a state called California. Niv, are you there? I am here. You're not a native Californian. No, but I can get used to it pretty quickly. It's still 65 and sunny outside, so. Right. Now, um, I think that you spent, it, correct me if I'm wrong, the bulk of your childhood in Cleveland. Yeah, that's right. I, I um, grew up in Cleveland. I'm a big Indians fan, and... Uh, yeah, so you can see why California is very appealing to me right now. Right, because it doesn't hurt to live in, to go outside. For right, yeah. right, right. Very good. Um, and the other person we have here is someone whose name might be less familiar to those uh, who've you know stopping, been stopping around fangraphs.com or rotographs, uh, but he's important to understanding um, not just the history of this game, uh, but also how to win it. Uh, his name's uh, Chad Young. Uh, Chad, you there. I'm here, Carson. Right, and you're, and you're joining us uh, not only from Chicago, I also understand that your full-time job is winning Auto New. Is that the case? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, a student right now, so winning Auto New uh, three of the last four years has been my basically my only source of income, uh, which is not a very not a very exciting income, but. You know, well, I mean, it's, it, 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 uh, it's not a bad. I mean, I don't know how much you guys play for, uh, and of course, gambling is wrong and ought to be uh, discouraged at all times. But, um, but in terms of making money, that seems like it's one of the better ways to make. I mean, I can tell you, I've done some disgusting things um, for for the smallest amounts of cash. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fun way. It's uh, you know, we we play for a decent amount of money, but certainly certainly not enough to to live off of. And I think uh, if you were to calculate out hourly wages for me for the amount of time I spend on this, uh, it's, it doesn't look that pretty. Right. Now, uh, well, I assume that most people who are listening to this podcast uh, will at least be familiar with it um, with Auto New because uh, there have been, of course, a number of announcements about it. I think that there's been um, uh, Niv, you've had some. Uh, a couple cool posts about, uh, I think one about sort of a year with Auto New, um, and another just about some of the basic differences between it and regular fantasy baseball. Um, and I want to get to some of those in a little bit and, and um, hear how to win it because I myself yep. am in, in, in a league. Uh, but I kind of want to get an idea from you guys 
uh, about sort of the creation myth um, about this. Um, but I, I, uh, maybe maybe Niv, we'll start with you. Um, yeah. Where, where did this so, start? So Jen and I uh, grew up together in Cleveland, um, like we said, with a few a uh, few other guys who were pretty into baseball. We we lived in Cleveland during a very good time for Indians baseball, and um, I think I think around 2005, uh, we'd all just finished reading up uh, Moneyball uh, by Michael Lewis about. Billy Bean's Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I have to correct you actually there. That that book is by Billy Bean, I believe. Oh, right. Money I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Moneyball by Billy Bean about why bunts are bad. Uh, is that the subtitle? I don't right, exactly. Right, right, right. Why trying um, hard is, is a bad thing to do with baseball. Right, why computers should play baseball for right. us. Um, and and uh, I think... Uh, we, we were really drawn in by by multiple aspects of the book. Um, partially the 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 number analysis that uh, Billy Bean has brought um, you know to the forefront, um, as well as uh, sort of the day to day operations of being a general manager. So really, what that what that entails, um, and how that's very different than what uh, Yahoo Fantasy Baseball at the time or not to pick on Yahoo, but any fantasy baseball at the time was doing. And we also really liked looking at prospects. This was something that uh, was new to us, I think, um, sort of thinking ahead about where uh, where teams get their talent from and where teams that aren't the Yankees get their talent from is generally the farm system. So, so these sort of things combined... Uh, into an email that we got at the beginning of the 2005 baseball season that said uh, it was from a mutual friend of ours named Jeff uh, and Chad I, I know you were on the email with me um, it was basically hey uh, I hate playing Yahoo Fantasy Baseball and why don't we play this other game that I just invented and here's how it works um, was this yeah. uh, no, Chad Chad I'll I'd like you to answer the question. Was this sort of like a uh, like an epiphany, this email, or was this uh, sort of part of an, a running dialogue you guys have been having? Uh, I think at that point in time, everything that we discussed was a running dialogue. Um, the three of us were in daily email conversations, and something like venting frustrations about fantasy baseball were it was probably a pretty regular topic for us. Um but I, I think Jeff's, you know, original suggestion that we sort of scrap the establishment of fantasy baseball and do our own thing um, was definitely new. It wasn't something we'd really been talking about. It wasn't something we really thought about. It just sort of came out that, hey, if we're going to start a fantasy baseball league, let, let's do it right. Let's, you know, get rid of all the things we don't like about fantasy baseball and build a league that fits our needs. And, uh, and what, so, what are those things? That you, you, like, you know, you mentioned some of them. I, I assume that, like, when you, when you guys are saying Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, part of, and and if you sort of alluded to this, I mean, what, what you really mean is sort of like typical, like whatever, twenty-three man roster, twenty-four man roster, five by right. five leagues. Right. So, um, I would say the number one thing we were kind of getting fed up with our statistical options that were out there. Um, I know now there is a, <clears throat> excuse me, a much 
uh, many more options that you can build a custom league with. But at the time, we were playing with wins and saves, and I didn't like the idea of having to chase closers and, and chase those situations just to win a category. Uh, we weren't really in love with stolen bases. I think we had learned a lot. The a lot of what is somewhat general knowledge now about you know the value of a stolen base and putting a fourth of a league into or a fifth of a league into that. So so I think that would be part of it. Um, another big thing uh, was 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 just sort of player acquisition in general. Uh, we didn't like having waivers. We didn't like having whoever was near the computer got to add a player or whatever. Um, and we didn't like sneak drafts. So, I don't know, Chad, is there anything else that you can think of that I'm missing that we didn't like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of things. One is, and you, you talked about this when you were talking about Moneyball, that one of the things that fantasy baseball doesn't do in general is actually mimic the job of a general manager, where you, where you have to deal with, you know, not just how do I get the best, you know, nine guys on the field on a given day, but how am I going to make sure that there's a future for the organization, that I'm working within the budget I've been assigned, things like that. Um, and we really wanted to expand that. And I think for, you know, at least for me, a lot of this is done against the backdrop of the Indians having their sort of climb to glory in the 90s and falling back and then watching them build from within and build via trade and get prospects in. And, you know, our first year playing Auto New was 2006, and it was 2007 that the Indians got to the ALCS off the back of a team that they had built, you know, from scratch, basically. And I, I think for me, when I saw Jeff's email, the, the big thing that jumped to my mind is, I wonder if I can do that. Can I build a team from scratch? Can I sort of build up the farm system and, and do what it takes the way that, you know, the Indians were actually doing it, as opposed to the way it's typically done in a fantasy league? Right, and now if I could ask, this may be or may not be an obvious question, but um, is Jeff, uh, I mean, is Jeff still alive? Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jeff is very much with us. He's probably going to listen to this, and uh, he is, uh, you know, the way he even, he fashions himself to be an ivory tower academic, let's put it that way. <laughs> so he's uh, he's an idea man, is that, is that what it is? He, he is absolutely an idea man. Okay. Um, I uh, he he conceptualized the game and Chad. I mean, how much we've changed a lot of things at the edges, but we haven't really changed a lot of the core gameplay as the way I would look at it. I mean, Chad, is that true? I mean, am I missing? Something yeah, I definitely think that's true. I, I, when I was going back and looking through old emails to sort of get a sense, try to get a better sense of. Where, where the league had come from. Uh, one of the things right. I was struck by is a lot of the things that we had huge debates about were very peripheral changes about how players were treated in uneven trades. I mean, I don't know if you remember, right. I mean, Niv, back at the beginning when guys, when you had uneven trades, you had to just send someone over to the other team to make it even. There just was right. no option. Right. Um, but the, the core of the game, this idea of a 40-man a, a roster like a real GM deals with, uh, a set budget, the ability to have to keep everybody on your team year to year, to keep a minor league system that you've built up, um, to not have to lose guys because you're limited to five keepers if you happen to have 30 guys worth keeping. Right. Um, those were really the core of the game, and that that's 
And Jeff basically, Jeff definitely laid everything out in that first email. I mean, in the first couple emails, it really had most of that. So he's he's very much the idea man behind this. Uh, so th- so this was so this email was was what this was 2005, 2007. 2006. 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Yeah, 06, maybe that's right. And then, and then when did the first, uh, so what was the first Otter New season then, Niv? So the first season was our 2006 season. Um, we played it the way that most people would play a game that we, that Chad and I have just described, which is you still load all your players into Yahoo, you use them for the stats, and then you have a couple spreadsheets around and you email people back and forth or you send files back and forth. Um, I know that, you know, I know that there are fan grass writers today, not to name any names, but uh, some of them are still playing leagues that require multiple spreadsheets to figure out if you have a free pl- uh, a free agent on your hands or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we were doing that at first um, for the first season. And then uh, Chad broke all that in an attempt to uh, secure Cole Hamels, I believe. <laughs> he broke He broke the league? He broke the league. Um, so I mentioned uh, one of the big things we don't like is having uh, waiver claims. We don't like that whoever is, you know, in a football mentality it makes a little bit more sense, but it also makes sense in baseball where you say, as soon as this player has become available or as soon as an injury has occurred or as soon as something very major has happened, whoever is nearest the computer will get his replacement. Right, because then it just uh, it privileges people who, who are doing nothing else with their lives. Right, and, and you know, I think fantasy baseball does that enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so, so um, Chad will probably be able to fill in some details here, but I remember we... We decided, okay, let's have auctions for all new free agents, right? So if you're going to have a player uh, be acquired that is a prospect or nobody has acquired so far, you have to put them up for a... I think even originally it was a 48-hour auction where people would email in their bids to the thread, and we had a hard stop at 48 hours. So this was not well thought out. And I think you can see it's really easily gamed. And... Um, so Chad gamed it, <laughs> and I think you took Chad. How much did you pay Cole Hamels for the first year when he was a prospect for the Phillies? I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't remember how much I was paying for him. I do remember that he got voted off my team incredibly quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he was sent to the arbitration pretty quick. I think it was what three dollars. I think it was three dollars when he first came up. And Carson, I don't know if you remember, but Cole Hamels was pretty good when he first came up. Well, I know that. Um, I mean, I know he was a pretty highly rated prospect. I mean, really, the only thing between right. him and being excellent was his his sort of uh, injury problems. But obviously, that hasn't right. really been an issue and, and, you know, of late. And, and even now, he's a, he's a he's a he's a definitely a, a good starter, uh, a good starter in in most fantasy formats, and especially in our fantasy format, he, he's a pretty good starter. So, um, so Chad, uh, like I said, broke broke it by well. You know, he 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 brought forth this problem that we hadn't really fixed the fact that whoever was nearest the computer at the right time still would win the player, right? I think he. Um, what did you do, Chad? You left a bid with like a minute left. Yeah, I mean, I basically just put in put in my bid on the auction right before it closed. Um, which 
which you which know made to, it impossible to be fair, for, to, for anyone else to bid. And to be fair, is exactly what you should have done in that kind of situation. So, so Chad wins Cole Hamels, and uh, our league is in uproar. Niv, how does this fix anything that you've talked about? I mean, this is like kind of antithesis of what we're trying to do. I mean, are we talking like uh, physical violence at this point, or is it mostly just like emotional terrorism? I mean, Lots of email I, I terrorism. Consider worse, but the latter, yeah. I mean, every, everyone was scattered around the country, so luckily no one could could get to me. But I right. got yeah, lots I mean, of you know, unhappy emails. Chad did go to his bunker around then. I think <laughs> you had to you had to stay and lay low for 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 two or three weeks. No, I understand. I understand. I understand. I think he was sent to the old country, if I remember right. What's the old? Which country is that? I'm actually thinking of the Godfather. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So Chad did not shoot a police officer. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you shouldn't do that in in general. Um. So what? No, uh, you should never do that. No. So so Chad, you know, he he brought forth a, a serious problem with the format, and and the result of that was really quickly um, after about a day of being mad at Chad was, okay, actually, no one can fault Chad for this. He did what you're supposed to do. So how do we fix it? And the res- response was, hey, Niv, you know how to make websites help us? And so um, that's basically what happened. And 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 what we have with Fangraphs now is not very far from, well, it's 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 really far, but, you know, it, it, it started there. Um, Cole Hamels is the only reason we're talking today. I guess. Right. Um, well, and the you know um, the power of the internet also, but that and just I mean, um, reproduction, human reproduction. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go there, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I how guess, cosmic do we want to get? Because it I could really. You, I guess you just did. Yeah. Um, so so what? So because of this move, I mean, you were really. Um, it's it, so we've sort of established at this point that a lot of the moves you guys have made. Um, the adjustments to sort of what we consider traditional 5x5 fantasy, um, whether it's redraft or even keeper leagues, ha- has sort of been always kind of going towards this idea of um, really being more in charge of an organization, essentially. A, f- a fictional organization, uh, but also s- sort of one that you're more intimately involved in than you would than you could be any one team. And something that you can carry year to year. And then we sort of isolated this point with Cole Hamels, which was the kind of, you know, the, whatever, the 48-hour auction or X number hour auction. Um, right. Um, as, so, as, I mean, Chad can give you, Chad give you some examples that really speak to the kinds of players that have been kept and picked up and built off of in our league that I don't think could happen in any other kind of format. I mean, with that... Yeah, well, Chad, I want you to do that, but right before you do that, what, could you explain the, the sort of arbitration rule and exactly what that is? Um, yeah. Is there any sort of keeper rules associated with that? Because I think that's one thing that I know going into the league, uh, you know, I've kind of I've kind of read about it, but I kind of feel like um, I want to know a little bit more about it, like exactly how this arbitration works in keeping players. Right. So, so most of the keeper rules are actually pretty straightforward. Um, any player on your roster has their salary go up by two dollars, unless they have no major league experience, in which case they go up by one. And you can keep no one, you can keep everyone, or you can keep anything in between, as long as they fit within your your salary cap. Your four hundred dollars. So sorry, every cap. player goes up two dollars if they have major league experience. 
Correct. Oh, oh, that's great. Well, that, I mean, I, I'm sure it's not. You know, it doesn't always feel great as an owner, but like in terms of like um, elegant rules, that seems cool to me. That, that there's yeah, sort of, like, I mean, inflation there. And we 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 messed with a lot of different forms of that. You know, that the inflation and what it would look like, and I think the the simplicity of two dollars in the end makes a lot of sense. Um, then there's this this arbitration process, and the, the idea here is that everybody should have a chance to get good young talent, and that we don't there's there's a desire to to keep competitive balance, and you don't want to leave some you know a bunch of teams basically out in the cold. So every year at the end of the season, um, every owner votes for one player on all the other teams in the league. And the player on each team who receives the most votes is sent to arbitration. And effectively what that means is that when you go to the preseason auction the next year, that player is a free agent, but the team that originally owned him gets a $5 discount in the auction. Okay. So, so like this year, the guy who got voted off my team was Jose Bautista. I picked him up last May, I guess, for a dollar because... Who knew last May that Jose Bautista was going to be Jose Bautista? Um, and at the end of the season, the rest of the owners decided I shouldn't probably get to keep Jose Bautista for three dollars. Right. And uh, you know I don't have the numbers in front of you, but I think he went. I think the final price that I paid for him, or the final bid I made for him at the auction, was I think forty four dollars, um, which means he ended up on my roster for thirty nine. I think that's right, but I I might have no, that no, off. So, okay, so that so you're bidding. You're bidding, bidding, and if you win, if you win, you can bid 44, and then you get, then you just get subtract five from whatever uh, the winning bid is if you win. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So, all right. So that's cool. And so, uh, so as far as that goes, like, what are some players um, or some some situations where people have, you know, either acquired players or you know held players and um, season to season kept players um, in auto new baseball that we might not necessarily um, think of as being uh, a typical move either, well, certainly in a redraft league or, you know, in sort of the more standard keeper leagues. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the perfect examples, Niv and I were just talking about this before we started, but uh, Manny Machado, who's a shortstop prospect for the Orioles, who is due up to the majors sometime around 2014 or so, has been on one of the guy's rosters for at least a year. Maybe even more. Yeah. Um, so knowing so 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 knowing who Manny Machado is is a thing that right. exists in auto new baseball. I, I might argue that Manny Machado isn't necessarily the number one guy he needs to worry about. No, but yeah, I mean a, a prospect who's in A ball and you know four or five you know three four years away from from the big leagues is you know absolutely fair game to be owned. I mean. Uh, you then you get into guys like you uh, Darvish, the the Japanese pitcher was owned in our league, I think two was, years he, ago. He was actually kept. I mean, he's still yeah. owned in our league. This right, guy yeah. is holding out for him to get posted in a big way. Right, right. Uh, now, what about uh, now? Now, uh, what about, for example, a player like Anthony Rendon, who plays for Rice University? Is he available? So we don't uh, allow amateur players yet. Um, I think uh, I think there's a question about the eligibility of including college players and and so forth. 
Um, but as soon as we can figure that out, I mean, we're always about expanding who people can own. I think at some point, uh, when, it, when you know, before we really had to standardize things into how things are now, uh, we were we were basically letting people own anyone that you could say, hey, this person signed a baseball contract once. I mean, Chad, I, who is it? I think I own somebody who went to college with me and I had English class with, and he was like a relief pitch prospect that wasn't going anywhere, but I was like, hey, I went to English class with him. All right. <laughs> And like, yeah, 40th man well, on you owned you owned uh, you owned uh, Trilling's friend too. At one yeah, point. I owned one of our other friends from high school. One of his friends who, uh, you know, he's a pretty good uh, outfield prospect for a little bit. Really weird when you meet people that you own on your fantasy team. Yeah, that you know are are, are in the minors. Not like you know, I mean, if you meet um, like a real baseball player, like in a major league baseball player, he probably knows that he's a major league baseball player. But minor league baseball players. Don't really expect people to be playing games that involve their likenesses. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that was a weird day. Um, so in terms <laughs> of acquiring Manny Machado, so that's something that's a that's a player you would bid on during a uh, during an auction, uh, you know, before the season begins. Yeah, let me see if I can find actually how Manny Machado was acquired. I'll, I'll see if I can bring it up right now. Okay. Yeah, well, well, he's pulling that up. I mean, I can tell you, this year uh, we just had our our preseason auction this past weekend, and uh, along the lines of uh, of a guy like Machado, Miguel Sano, the he's a third base prospect for the Twins, who's probably still four years away, was put up for auction at our annual auction. Um, and I think went for a dollar because I don't think anyone wanted to pay two dollars for a guy who was multiple years away. But um, that's you know that that's one way. The other way would be the the forty eight hour auctions that happen during the season. Right. Um, so so there there's definitely two formats. One is a regular season, uh, sort of to replace the waiver wire format, and the other is the preseason auction. And it looks like Manny Machado went in the regular season end of last year, uh, September 4th, 2010. This is all on the site. This is not like some secret thing that I have. If, right. You know, when, when people play this game year over year, they'll, they'll see all the guys that they bid on. And, um, Chad, it's funny that you said nobody wanted to bid $2 because our friend Parker actually bid $5 on Manny Machado <laughs> <laughs> at the end of last season. Oh, man. When he was three to four years away from being the next A Rod, as people are calling him now. Yeah, the next A Rod. Now, is this a situ- uh, as far as Machado? I, I'm sorry. With regard to the inflation, we we talked about major leaguers briefly. Uh, is there inflation for minor leaguers then? Yeah, the minor yeah. league players ahead, go Chad. up by yeah they go up by one dollar a year okay. um, up until they get major league experience. Okay, and then and then it's up by two. Um, yeah, I mean the rule is is literally did you play? in the major leagues last year at all. It's not looking at rookie eligibility or anything like that. It's just a simple, did you play in the majors last year? Yes, no. Yeah, and that's actually... If no, it's just a dollar. It's interesting you, uh, you mentioned that, Niv. Um, I, and this actually kind of goes back to something Chris said, uh, um, sorry, Chad said earlier in the in the interview, um, which was um, when he was discussing inflation and, and the, uh, you know, to say this, the sort of simplicity of $2 per year um, you just mentioned the, the sort of simplicity with regarding um, you know, the definition of major league eligibility. Um, I'm right. wondering, uh, uh, um, 
or, or rookie eligibility, right? Um, as you guys have developed this, has there been sort of this tension back and forth, um, Niv, between simplicity and accuracy, like wanting to accurately represent what it is yeah, in an organization, but also wanting to make it simple enough so that it's accessible? No, that's exactly right. That's absolutely true. Um, we've had, we've had that tension. Um, we have. Uh, one of our participants, or two of the league participants that have been there for a few years, are in a couple of sim leagues that are um, very, very much closer to real baseball, but also very complicated. They have Rule Five drafts, international drafts. It's 80-man rosters. It's it's a full organization in a way that is kind of intimidating. And we always, um, and and I think this is the role that um, I've played. Um, more than anyone, and, and Chad as well. Like, we've really tried to keep things really simple and really accessible because we don't want. We I, I feel like this is a game that can bring a really neat format that's out there, this auction dynasty format, which you know by no means did we invent, but it brings it and simplifies the rules to be pretty understandable, and can bring it to uh, anyone because a lot of people can just sort of under, understand. The reasons for doing things and the way certain things work uh, naturally—they're not, you know—it's nothing, nothing going on here that's terribly complicated. Right now, Chad, I want to ask you um, because I think this is a reasonable question: is who, who is who is the game not for? Do you think? Um, because there is a certain level of involvement. Um, I mean, who, who would you say would, would you'd best advise not to get involved with something like this? I mean, I think if. Uh you know, if looking up prospect lists is not of interest to you other than maybe your own team, if, you know, the name Manny Machado just seems so foreign that you don't even want to think about some prospect who's three years away, like, that's that's not, this isn't the right league, most likely, or the right format, most likely. I mean, I think it's it's really geared towards people who want to be heavily involved, who follow the sport closely, who want fantasy baseball to be a year-round activity. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, you said the just, word involvement, and that's... Just to chime in, I think, uh, Chad, the main thing that you said that I agree with a lot is the year-round activity. I think if you're not ready or not really interested in committing to baseball year-round, this is absolutely not... Like, you need to be okay with talking about trades in November or January. Um, otherwise, you're just, I mean, it's not going to be the best time for you. Because other people are going to be talking about trades. <laughs> so. so so you should be, you should be aware of that. Now, Niv, um, you're sort of, uh, obviously, at, at this point, you're, you're more than, uh, uh, you're more than a client uh, of uh, AutoNew. You're, you're sort of in charge with constructing it. Um, you know, not just yeah. for, for yourself and your friends, but it, so that other people can enjoy it. And I, I imagine, you know, one of the things, and I, I've seen this, I think, uh, you know, in some of the comment sections or maybe the forums is, um, you know, say I find myself in a league and, uh, you know, at the end of the year, a couple people drop out, right? Or, um, right. You know, it's, and, it ha- and so I guess, like, what do, what do you sort of see as, as the challenge of of sort of elevating it to a point where, where you're making it a, a consumer activity as opposed to just one for your friends, and then how do you sort of plan to deal with those challenges? Right. So those 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 are really, I think, the biggest challenges to bringing this to a bigger audience. 
um, making sure that this leagues stay mostly intact. Um, a big part of it is, you know, in- encouraging people who have been playing together for a while to come over. But uh, another thing that I think, especially in public leagues, can work well is um, once you go through a full season, um, you know, a lot of people can say in March or April, hey, I think people are going to quit or whatever. But once you go through a full season, you're able to see sort of how it works. I think a lot of people will be surprised, even if they come in last place or eighth place or even if they come in first place, they'll be like, okay, you know, I could do this again. Like, I, I have some guys here that I get to keep. I have some trades that I could make. I could get back and I could turn this team around. And um, I think that will be a big part of it. I think that will be really appealing. And um, I'm not ready to talk in details about what we have planned for next season, but we do have some ideas in the hopper um, about how to make it, how to um, make sure at least leagues and their teams and their set of players stay together and there's not like guys getting dumped into free agency and all kinds of weird stuff like that. Um, so like threats. So we mean, do have some threat, ideas. Like physical threats. Is that part of it? No, I, I, like I violent? think um, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> um, we don't want anyone to be physically intimidated into keeping a team. Um, right. I think that's full stop. I don't think there's anything else to say about that. Okay, good. Uh, you just want to make something that clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's also yeah, it's just, worth. Uh, uh, Worth noting that you know, in, in we're now in year starting year six of this. In six years or five years of doing this, we've had one owner drop out, and he dropped out because he liked it too much, and he needed to spend time on other he, parts of his life, basically. Yeah, like cleaning, so, like clean, told, cleaning himself and stuff like that. No, like exactly. not failing professional graduate schools. Oh, yeah, you should stop doing that. Yeah, so I think he was actually removed forcibly by his parents. <laughs> which, again, we don't want that to happen to anyone either. Right. Right. Um, but, yeah, but, you, know, know, you don't want it to turn into one of those. Uh, you, you always hear occasionally right. and uh, uh, you know, every, every couple months or so a, a Korean person will die because he's been playing uh, World of Warcraft. Right, and moved from World of Warcraft. Exactly, it's that kind of situation. So... So, yeah, so, I mean, Chad, that's definitely true. And, you know, and and as you may have gathered from this conversation, Chad has won three out of the last four years, which means everyone else has not won three out of the last four years. And yet people still keep coming back, and and no one's really interested in leaving, um, which is great. I mean, obviously part of it is we all know each other somewhat, um, and we all but – we, but part of it is also you get to know each other. Like, you really – um, in order to succeed in this game, it's more about uh, working with the work owners in your league and making interesting trades and, and really planning uh, not just for this year but for the next four years. And when you're doing that, um, it really makes it that as long as you have a good group of guys you're with, which I can't guarantee, but if you have a good group of uh, league mates to begin with, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not going to really want to leave, I hope. Uh, now, uh, Chad, I'm not sure if you n- know entirely, but I would like you to take a, um, uh, maybe, you know, at least to guess at why uh, why it is that you've played so well in this league. I mean, uh, is it luck, do you think, to some degree? Um, well, but, but Chad, before you answer that, I'd like to point out that Carson is in a Fangraphs league this year, and when he told me he was playing the Fangraphs Auto New League, 
It, it was far, very quickly followed up with, and I'm going to win. Oh, yeah, I said and that. I think, <laughs> yeah, I would like to say. I think it was it was like his uh, Matt Hasselbeck moment or whatever. So, <laughs> Take um, the ball and we're going to score. <laughs> yeah, basically, Carson's like, I, I'm going to win. So, so, Chad, I think you should... I, I don't know. I feel like we should make sure that everyone else in the auto new Fangraphs League gets to hear this knowledge that's about to be bestowed here because <laughs> well, I don't uh, want to give Carson uh, that, advantage. I do. I do have some bad news in that a, a major part of my success is a result of having a terrible team the first year. Um, by about well, I don't know May or so of the first season, I had like three or four injured pitchers and just my season was done. Um, and I'm, I was, I had the honor of hosting the first ever auto new fire sale. Um, <laughs> and at that point, you know, people, I, I, I take, I, I take a lot of flack from the rest of the league because in the trades I made over the next couple months, um, some of the guys that came over, uh, Josh Johnson, Dustin Pedroia, Prince Fielder, Carlos Quinton, Brian McCann. Yeah, good baseball players. That's who you're naming. Right. Yeah. Um, good baseball players that were all AAA prospects at this right. time. Right. But what really, I think, uh, you know, looking back at those trades, and Niv and I were going through some of them a, a little earlier today, um, none of those trades were really lopsided. Um, I just to some extent got lucky that the the prospects I identified and you know whether you want to chalk this up to, to luck or my incredible scouting abilities um, the prospects I picked I'm gonna, to, to get I'm gonna say straight. it was luck if any major league organizations are listening though it was scouting pure scouting <laughs> yeah, it's always scouting right, right, right. but to, to be fair I mean at the, the same time like Willie Mo Pena was one of the guys I picked up and I was just desperate to get Willie Mo Pena yeah, um, yeah you you had a pretty big William O'Pena crush the first couple of years, I think. Yeah, I know. I um, can't blame you. <laughs> that, that season, I traded Andrew Jones, and this was, you know, Andrew Jones was coming off of, he hit like 50 or 51 home runs in 2005 and would be about the same in 2006, like 40-some in 2006. I traded him for Delman Young and Andy Marte, along with Scott Shields. Oof. So, yeah, I, I mean, I got, I got lucky, but I, I had some... Some not so pretty moves. Some lips as well, yeah. yeah. And I realized I, I was I was going through emails in the middle of 2006. I was trying desperately to get one of the other owners to trade me Lastings Millage and another player for Hanley Ramirez, which I <laughs> luckily failed at. Yeah. Um, Good. But basically, what that did is it set me up um, in the 2007 season to have an infield of Fielder Pedroia, Hanley Ramirez. Uh, Brian McCann, a catcher. I traded for Aramis Ramirez in the offseason. Um, and when you have that kind of, I, I, I had Cole Hamels at this point because of the, uh, yeah. previously mentioned situation with Cole Hamels. Um, and when you have all those guys for so cheap, all of a sudden it's not hard to spend money to, to fill in the holes where you need to spend money. Right, naturally. Um, yeah. But I think what's really been sort of helped lead me to I guess you'd say long-term success is I'm constantly looking for value. Um, and I think that, you know, part of what goes on in this league is in part because of the arbitration process, you know, having uh, Jose Bautista at $1 last year was incredibly valuable to me. 
but probably not as valuable as having Ryan Zimmerman at $15. Because Ryan Zimmerman, as long as I keep having guys who are, you know, $1, $5, $6, something like that, that have good seasons, those guys are going to get voted into the arbitration process. And I'm going to have, you know, a, a top tier third baseman locked up for well below market value, you know, for as long as I want, basically. Right. So it's actually that's actually interesting is that you're it's almost sort of your mid season acquisitions, or in this particular case with Jose Bautista, that uh they kind of shield that Zimmerman situation. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely uh one of the other owners. Chad, you can talk about what uh what Parker did this year. I mean, we had another owner I don't know, he all he did was trade for players that he thought were arbitration prospects. I mean Right, I mean, yeah, he took all of my outfielders. I traded yeah. him. I, I traded him Chu and Nelson Cruz during the both the stretch well below, rest. both yeah. well below market, and um, and yeah, that's absolutely a a, a good strategy. I think uh, protecting your your guys who are undervalued by getting more awesome undervalued guys. Um, well, cool. Um. I, you know, I think uh, I think I think I'm getting a sense uh, of what's going on here, and, and I will say that I think um, we are having for the Fangraphs League, we're having our draft actually while we're in Arizona, so sometime uh, the March uh, March 11th or 12th or somewhere around there. Um, so um, the listenership, the Fangraphs listenership, can um, can stay tuned uh, for that that excitement. Maybe uh, maybe Chad, I'll. Uh, you know, I'll G-chat with you during the course of it, so you can uh, you can guide well, me. I'll actually be there for that, so I'm hoping that I'll get to draft either as a participant or for another team that can beat Carson. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I just feel like that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the I, part, but, uh, uh, well, Dave, um, actually, that reminds me of one thing: is besides looking for value, do you feel like there's a certain I don't know personality type or a certain sort of a more you know, mystical quality that one could possess to win the league? So I think, um, you know, a lot of this, there, there, there are two clear things. One of them is, is like Chad said, looking for value. Uh, Chad is very good at that. And the other thing that Chad won't say that he's very good at, but he is very good at, is making is, is working with people who he's never met to make trades. Um, making trades is how this game works. It's um, if if you, if you're listening and you, and you don't like making trades, um, uh, I, I'm sorry, but this may not be the game for you. Um, it's really hard to build a 40-man roster in a on a 12-team league without a few holes, and you have to fill those holes with trades. And and so the, a personality that's able to uh, work with you know 11 other owners and really see what they can do and what kind of things they can do to to not only um, make really good trades for their team for this year, but also not um, make other owners never want to trade with them by just making terrible offers over and over again. Right, right? the Vince Namoli uh, or Chuck Lamar strategy. I right, say. right. I mean, you just you don't can't you can't just keep throwing um, terrible offers at the wall and just hoping that okay you'll say yes, but then you'll never talk to me again, and that just won't work. And so um, we have a few owners in our league um, that are actually excellent at that, and Chad is one of them, absolutely. 
And we also have um, some owners in our league who who are excellent at finding the values and are less excellent at making uh, the kinds of in-season trades they need to make to really push their team through the top. But, um, you know, some of those teams do well also. They're also successful. It's not for lack of trying. It's just, you know, uh, we have an owner that, I mean, Chad and I would both characterize as fairly conservative in terms of trading, right? I mean... That's the nice way to put it. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to listen or not. <laughs> um, I, I, I sent him a, a fairly direct email this offseason explaining my disagreement with his lack of trades, uh-huh. so... I don't think there's anything I could say now that's gonna change his impression. He's actually he's actually one of the the better and smarter yeah. owners in the league in terms of identifying talent and stocking up on young players. That's um, that's the thing is that we're always trying to push him to win now so that he can not be able to keep all his players. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. His team is really really well positioned for the next four years. Which have you ever heard anyone say that about a fantasy team ever? No. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good thing to say. Um, yeah, hey, it's pretty fun. Well, guy, guys, thanks, uh, uh, thanks a lot for for talking to us here and uh, um, uh, amusing us with your uh, with your anecdotes and uh, with the sort of um, the slights against your uh, your friends. Yeah, and I love getting on and and making fun of my friends. With people who I've only met once. Yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah, good. that's a good thing to do with your morals. Um, but uh, but Niv, uh, yeah. So Niv, thank you very much for joining us from uh, sunny California. Yeah, Carson's great. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, Chad Young, um, thank you very much for for joining us from. Uh, we didn't say I don't think, but from um, from the cold, uh, the coldest and windiest city, uh, Chicago, Illinois. No problem. It's my pleasure, Carson. Yeah, good. All right, and uh, and that's right. I am. Uh, Carson Stooley and will continue to be in this. Uh, the wall uh, also continue to be Fangraphs Audio. <laughs>